0: I'm Bruce Collins, and you're listening to Exploring Boys' Education, a regular podcast produced by the International Boys' Schools Coalition. I cannot believe that we're already on episode four of season two, and I want to thank all of you who listen regularly and contribute to our shared discussions about educating boys. We'd love for you to share Exploring Boys' Education with your broader school communities and beyond. All of our past episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and other platforms. Parents and others can benefit from the insights shared by our guests. This episode is thematically connected to episode 2 in which Natasha Devon speaks about the mental health of boys in that we delve into what it means for boys' schools to be intentional about their students' social and emotional well-being. But before we hear from Tim Jarvis, Senior Master Pastoral at Michael House in South Africa, I'm happy to have my colleague and COO, Amy Ahart, join me again for the IBSC Newsreel.
1: Hi, Bruce and listeners. It's good to be on again to share about current and future IBSC programs.
0: Amy, our current scheduled online classes are running well, and we have a number of faculty from boys' schools worldwide participating in both our new Boys and Belonging class, as well as our Teachers New to Boys Schools class.
1: That's correct, Bruce. And anyone listening who missed out on those opportunities are able to sign up for the next round of classes, which will be hosted from February to March 2021.
0: Also, we have heads of school from around the world who are currently participating in our new Ideas Lab program. And the Headways program, which we run in partnership with the National Coalition of Girls Schools, is also on the go.
1: Our Parenting Boys Speaker series also kicks off this week with our first keynote on the mental health of boys. And while registration for this first event is now closed, we have a second keynote planned for November 17th, featuring social media law expert, Emma Sadlier, speaking about boys and social media.
0: Amy, this speaker series is open to educators and parents at IBSC member schools, with each session in the series including a 45-minute pre-recorded keynote address, followed by an asynchronous conversation with fellow participants and the speakers on a discussion board. Participants have access to this content and conversation for three consecutive days. And in this time, they can comment on the keynotes, interact with the speaker, share their own resources that may benefit others, and learn from the information that global colleagues and parents contribute and more.
1: All this information about our speaker series and other future programming can be found on our website, www.theibsc.org. We hope you'll join us.
0: Amy, thank you so much for helping me highlight our member programs. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again on our next episode. But now let's move on to this episode's focus, the pastoral care of boys, as we speak to Tim Jarvis. Tim, it's lovely to have you on Exploring Boys Education.
2: Thanks, Bruce. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to this. this is, uh, I've been excited about this ever since you got a hold of me.
0: Great. Well, Tim, you know, just to give our listeners some context, right in the beginning, we're going to be talking about pastoral care in boys' schools today. Um, but maybe let's just start with a little bit about you, who you are, what your role is uh, at the school you're at. You're at Michael House here in here in South Africa. But maybe you could give some context about the school too, and and what you do there. For sure. Um, so
2: just just uh, to situate Michael House, we we. Um a full boarding school, um, six hundred or so, or so students, boys, all boys, full boarding, which means that they have, uh, um, you know, they, they stay in for the weekends as well. They get uh, um, two or three leaves a term, so it's. it's uh, I think we're one of only two schools in South Africa that that sort of run, um, a sort of if you like, strictly in, in that in terms of boarding, and we're also quite remote. We're sort of in the countryside, in sort of farmland, um, so forty-five minutes away. Um, to my great frustration from the nearest cinema because um, I do you know, <laughs> enjoy movies. Or, And then my role at the school, I've, I've, I've been here since 2004, I think it is, um, as the school counsellor. And uh, I've continued the last sort of uh, six or seven years, I've continued that role, but I've also been what they call the senior master for postural care. So trying to bring that um, awareness and um uh, you, you know, um the, the help help the rest of the staff um, in terms of the ability to provide pastoral care across the school, not just um, from the counseling department. If that makes sense,
0: and such an important role in in a school like Michael House, and and I bet you're not busy at all, hey Tim?
2: No, absolutely, <laughs> lots of time off. And, uh, <laughs> and
1: uh, although any
2: any school counselor will know that uh, sometimes they're viewed by their colleagues, as, well, you don't teach, so you you can't really yeah. have too stressful a life.
0: Well, such an important role, and I'm fascinated just just to know a little bit about why boys' education for you, Tim. What is what is the attraction to to being involved with with a boys' school?
2: Yeah, I don't think it was I don't think it was any deliberate decision on on my part. Um, um, I, I'm originally from the UK, and I I went out to Zimbabwe for a gap year once I finished my my sort of uh, my, my degree and, and training to be a teacher, and um, yeah, that that turned into my gap life and uh and then the at the time at the right time when we were considering leaving Zimbabwe the, the post of my class came up, I think it helped uh make the decision that I have three boys myself. Um so, you know, in terms of in terms of their education it made a lot of sense um to take the post. So I, I think it's I think with hindsight I can look back and say that um you know that that I've really benefited from from being in sort of in a boys' only environment and, and sort of grown to to get to know that role of working with, you know, sort of in a single gendered school with boys, get to get to know what that takes and what that means. I don't think I knew at the time when when I took on that post. You know, I was thinking more just general school counsellor, um, and uh, so I don't think I knew at the time just um, how. Specialised, I suppose, that, that that sort of providing pastoral care for boys is so that that's something that that you know that that wasn't a factor in the decision, but it, but has become something that's apparent. So, I mean, for example, Bruce, I mean, you all know this—you've worked in in boys' schools, but um you know, we had an exchange uh, teacher exchange from a, from a school in Canada, and uh, he he was from a co-ed school, and we were doing our inter-house um, productions, and you know the 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 boys on the stage um drama productions the boys on the stage were very happy to sing dance act and he 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 remarked that they wouldn't get their boys to do that because they would be too self-conscious in front of the girls for example um so i i think there are there are certain things that allow um you know with with only having boys there that 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 give boys freedom in certain ways um you know to to sort of express Parts of their identity that they might not in other situations that said i 'm not necessarily like a you know boys' schools are the only way for me it's very much horses for courses mm-hmm. you know, some some boys a boys' only school is exactly the right thing for others that they may that may be the the wrong thing so for for me it's some you know, it, it, you know there's, a, there's a time and a sort of place for everything um and and for 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 some um boys' schools are exactly what they need mm-hmm.
0: So Tim, it's 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 great as I said to have you on this podcast, and great to hear what you are busy with and where your interests lie and your passions lie, and and we're going to pivot to to this whole idea of pastoral care in boys' schools now, and uh, you know I, I love stories. I think there's power in narrative, and um, I, I've been privy to a story that 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 you share about enge- an engagement with with a boy, and maybe we could start there. Um, and and we'll end this this time with with the conclusion of that story as well but i think it'll set up well what we're going to talk about today
2: you know the the, the one day i had a, a knock on my on my door um it's a few years back now and um in walked a boy and he was clearly um he was clearly under the weather um you know sh- shoulders were hunched uh, eyes down he just had that look of someone who wasn't coping um and uh, so he came and he chatted and, and um, around various things. And, um, but, but, as, you know, as we went through, I just got the sense that he wasn't saying what he wanted to say. And um, so we, the the sort of time was coming to an end. And I think there were, I think there was some, my next appointment was sort of waiting outside. So I was aware that we hadn't really um, got there. So, so I, I, I've sort of, um uh, one of the things I, I often do is, boys is I, I, I would say, "Have you said everything that you've wanted to say? Have we covered everything?" And um, and I said, "I can see there's there's something wrong. You know can can you can you tell me what it is?" And because um, he hadn't really got to to the heart of of what he wanted to say, and I think um, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say there was silence for a full for at least a minute. It could have been it could have been longer. Um, and there was there was and he just couldn't bring himself to actually get any words out at all eventually he managed to look up and and make eye contact and and said i just can't i it's too hard to say um and i i know i know now from experience that, that sometimes for boys and probably for men as well it takes a lot to a work out what we what we're feeling about something And B, then to put it into words is even harder. So I, 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 but at the same time, I didn't want to sort of let him, let it just end there. So I said, well, won't you take some time to go and think through what you're feeling and and what you would like to say and come back in a few days time? Because Bruce, I I think like um, boys can literally take days sometimes to work out what they want to say. (laughs) Um, And and, and Celia Lashley, who wrote, um, it'll be okay. And she's spoken at IBSC conferences before um, from from New Zealand. Um, you know she she she's big on she's big on that, and she tells some wonderful stories about giving boys time um, to to get in touch with what they with what they sort of feel and 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 how to say it, and, and not not getting too in their face. They find that too threatening, and, and they don't have the space then to work it out for themselves what they feel. So I so I had to say to maybe come back in a, in a few days, and then. And then, really, I just have to cross my fingers and, and, and hope that he hope yeah, that he did well, come back.
0: I mean, we'll circle back on that story at the end, um, uh, but but I think it sets up this conversation well, and and maybe we could start just with your your insights on on the importance of pastoral care in boys' schools.
2: I, I think the importance is simply because boys have an emotional life, and um, the, the, but that it's quite easy to overlook it in in terms of how they present that emotional life which in some cases is like not at all um you know we 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 might sort of wonder if they have one have one at all but but uh, you know boys i mean i remember my first few years at my class and i would take what was then called life skills classes and you'd get a couple of boys sitting in the back you know with with a sort of mask of uh, disinterest or even even like like anger sitting there but th- 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 those were often the boys that um with a bit of uh Probing in terms of conversations would would then um, you know open up hugely around what was going on in the in their lives. But if you took if you took boys at face value, um, as we're often tempted to do, I think then then we sometimes miss that they they have that emotional life and that therefore we don't see that it's it's necessary or important to, to to provide that sort of pastoral care and um and and it's also easier not to. I mean, it, uh, good pastoral care and getting teachers and, and tutors involved in, in caring for boys. I mean, it's hard because it's, because it's hard work. Um, it takes time and commitment. And, you know, as a teacher's finishing one lesson and maybe got a pile of marking or a faculty meeting to get to or the next class coming in, you, do, you don't really want to spend that, that short turn of a time or your free period, you know, in, engaging. with boys. It's, it's difficult. Um, so it is easier to, to pretend and it's easy to pretend because boys allow us that to do that it's easy to pretend that everything's alright and um uh, but we but we mustn't assume that what boys present um on, on the on the outside is what's going on in the on the inside. And maybe just one um sort of one sort of series of series of series of stats if you like is I mean schools we're about academics and I'm just reading the in the United Kingdom um in terms of in terms of academic performance, you know, more girls will go through to university to to read it for a degree and will boys, um, once they get to university, um, more girls will then complete their degree than will boys do, and and then once they complete their degrees, more boys, more girls will be scoring a sort of two one or or above them than boys will. So right the way through, and and that that's mirrored in, in school results by and large as well, in in different countries around the world. So so you know girl, girls do sort of better academically and. Um, some of the thinking around that is that the, the boys just don 't know how to ask for help or, or get the help they need, and we know that people who receive pastoral or academic support um report that it that it helps and um, so it's important that that boys do that, but they they often don't and I think that 's why pastoral care is is so important
0: and i mean you 've alluded to this veneer that boys have that that everything is okay and, and that 's what they present in and, and i 'm sure one of the challenges around that is, is these, you know, traditional views of, of masculinity. Absolutely. Or just societal pressure around masculinity. Uh, your experience of that or, or insights of, of how that presents in, in our school spaces. I think uh, look
2: every, every school has its own culture and every, in every country um, society has their own culture ar- around that. But I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the way to sum it up would be that, um, you know boys and and men struggle to acknowledge issues that might cause them to be perceived as vulnerable in some way for some for some reason it's that's you know being vulnerable is not associated with with being a man and then, and then if you take if you take a whole lot of boys um together all trying to work out what it means to be a man and trying to prove their masculinity because just at that age um it's, it's even more intensified and then and then you get a whole lot of boys Oh you know a fully male or boy environment um, then it, you get that sort of hyper masculinity um, that sort of develops around you know that, that we see everywhere but it can be particularly prevalent in in um, all boys all boys only schools so so um I think sometimes it, it can be really exaggerated and um you know there it then creates a bit of barriers. Um, Around um, approaching to ask for help because of the sort of shame or stigma that goes that goes with that, um, and I and I think that's you know the, the challenges in providing is that boys a don't think they need it, and if they do realize they need it, they don't want to show that they they need it. And then from a from a sort of staff side, I think you know we know that obviously boys have a lot of testosterone. A, a colleague uh, down in Cape Town, Megan De Beer, um, often describes it as like. Every day, a sort of a, a boy around, sort of fifteen years old. It's like it's like getting a, a, a six shots a day of testosterone pumped into your legs. So it sort of comes in surges, and and you know they want to move and jostle and be competitive and all of those things. And so we we I um, think it was Michael Thompson in his, in his sort of raising Cane series and book that sort of says we we then focus on that sort of energy um, level and and assume that, that that takes the place or that there's no emotions going on underneath that. So so while the energy is there it doesn't it doesn't that, that physical energy is there. It doesn't mean that that is all boys are, this this sort of physical energy, there's there's, there's everything going on with them uh, emotionally as there would be for girls. It's just it's just expressed um in different ways or or not at all in some cases.
0: Tim, I'm I'm often fascinated by a term that I've heard you use a number of times in, in referring to what develops out of this reluctance to admit fear or weakness is, is this idea of a, a brittle kind of strength that that develops in boys? Uh, maybe elaborate on what you mean by that brittle kind of strength.
2: I, I, I suppose in some ways it, it sort of speaks for itself. Is is that? Uh, but but um, maybe maybe just to use the um, you know it's it's like a Hard eggshell um, that um, breaks very easily if there's nothing if there's no substance in inside. So boys can sometimes focus on their their appearance. I suppose I suppose all um, you know everyone does this, but like boys in particular can be tempted to focus a lot on their external appearance, and I, I don't just mean their physical appearance, but their their sort of image, if you like, and um, with without attending to. Their sort of inner world, or, or suppressing or denying their their inner inner world, and and, and again, just to quote M- Michael Thompson from Raising Cain, but he says, you know, boys get the message from an early age that they must deny parts of themselves in order to become a man, and he's referring to their to their sort of em- emotional lives, and so you get on the surface a very strong, competent, successful um, person. Um, but but the minute there's any real sustained pressure, they 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 just sort of crack and um, and and. So in, so I suppose brittle is used in, in in that sense. Fragile might be another word, but they wouldn't appear to be fragile. They might appear to be quite robust, but um, but but underneath, not really. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. And it, and it's I, I still make the mistake today of um, of assuming that a, that a boy is fine because he because he looks fine or you know. He's sort of projecting that, that everything's okay, but I I hope that explains what I what I mean by that term.
0: I think educators of boys around the world will acknowledge that that's something they've probably seen in their in their context too. Just to maybe put that into a
2: a, a story form as we're speaking. Just, just remind, reminds me um, when when I first came to Michael House, so I had a a couple of week a couple of weeks um, you know before I started properly. And I remember going down to watch the first team rugby trials for the For the next term, and I saw these eighteen year old um boys, and from where I was sitting you know they look they looked like men i mean physically they they appear like men tearing into each other um you know sort of hammer on tongs and and I, I remember thinking you know and they look so together and so competent, and so strong and uh because this is my first sort of experience to to sort of working with with in you know, in an all boys environment that I thought I, I don't know that I'm gonna be needed here, you know, <laughs> which which you know, which is just and and, and I suppose that, that sometimes that pseudo maturity and that um you know that, that, that sort of male ego of, of pretending everything's all right and keeping things going can be quite off putting for, for teachers and staff to sort of get beyond that. Um, you know, because because they're you know, boys do, do put up barriers around it and um you know so so that sometimes it can be hard work to sort of um or have the courage to sort of to sort of penetrate those, those boundaries a bit.
0: Tim, I'm 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 quite keen for us to 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 pursue a little bit the idea of um of 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 what schools actually need to be doing. And and in something you wrote recently, I read you mentioning that in 2019 the American Psychological Association for the first time published specific guidelines for dealing with men and boys as distinct from from women. I'm fascinated to hear what this might mean practically in a in a, a boys' school context. You know how, how does that how does that help shape the way we think about pastoral care in boys' schools? Yeah,
2: well, uh, maybe I can sort of couple that with some work um, done by uh, uh, Dr. Woodfield, Ruth Woodfield, at the University of of Sussex, because I think the two sort of go go hand in hand. But um, essentially, what what the um, American Psychological Association was sort of was saying in producing their report is that they're recognizing that boys don't ask for help and they they don't want to receive help in the same way that perhaps women or girls would. Um, it it can be off putting for them to talk a lot around feelings and and to openly sort of display vulnerability just because and 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 in and in their words of the sort of rigid gender expectations um that there are on on men and boys about about how they should manage emotional pain it seems like there's a script uh, that goes out there for, for sort of all men on that okay this is how you do pain um that, that we we get given the script to to follow and um you know going going voluntarily to go and ask for help from a psychologist and talking about your feelings for uh, the prescribed 50 minutes is probably not what most um, men and certainly boys are going to are going to want to do. So 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 really the report was an acknowledgement of that. They actually then had ten um ten sort of different points around um you know about how, how psychologists in particular can can adapt their their practice and things to be aware of. But but point nine was the one that sort of grabbed my attention, which was um to build promote Build and promote gender-sensitive support for for boys, and um, specifically within that, they, they they mentioned some some things for boys it might be um, shorter sessions, for example, um, informal um, informal sessions, and not necessarily sort of sitting down, um, uh, sort of face to face. Maybe using activities, uh, going for walks, uh, you know, playing some pool. You know, those they didn't, they didn't mention those specifically, but that's, I assume that's the sort of thing they're referring to. Um, Having some fun and using some humor, um even some self disclosure which uh, which um counselors and psychologists will be aware that sometimes you're sort of trained not to not to sort of like disclose your own personal um, life and and then, and then um you know working with groups as as well and uh, that was that that particular point around around groups was backed by the the work at the the university of Sussex where where um you know bringing a group of boys in for like a development session. Um, as opposed to a support session, you know, where there is some food. You know, it just it just frames frames it um a little bit more comfortably for boys. I suppose I suppose it's about pandering to their egos a little bit. Okay, you're not here for help. Um you're you're here you're here for some development as a as a sort of group, as a group together, it makes it more palatable for for men. And um you know I, I just I, I think that um you know that that's quite important because one of the things we, we know with with um you know Boys, is that they're not necessarily just going to walk into your to your office. A, a lot has to happen um, before that. And I think it's significant, and in, in, in just talking about uh, Dr. Woodfield's work on that, is that, that they talk about that it, when it comes to girls um, at university, they're more likely to express anxiety about being at university, and girls are more likely to talk about leaving university but when it comes to actually leaving, it's the men who are more likely, or the or the, the males who are more likely to to do that. Um, so it's this whole idea of that, um, you know, girls may talk about their emotions and how they're feeling. Boys will just sort of act on them, and it's almost like without without warning. And one of the analogies that that can be useful is that, you know, if you if you're driving a car, you know, the oil light starts flashing or the petrol light starts flashing, you can pull in and and sort it out. And and girls. And I, and I haven't worked in 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 girls' school, so so I don't know. But from what I understand, that d- those dashboard indicators and warning lights are more likely to be going off, and the problem can be dealt with. For for boys and for men, you know, the car seems to be humming along fine, and suddenly it just it you know the engine engine just just crashes, and comes to a shuddering halt, and that's the first sort of sign sign we we know of it. Um, so, in terms of in terms of then for boys and the practicalities of, of boys in schools, I, I think what um, the research from from the University of Sussex uh, showed was that actually there has to be a sort of um, almost compulsory element to to the to the pastoral care. So um, that doesn't mean you sort of march everyone into a counsellor's office, but it may mean um and you know what's what's quite big at the moment is digital tracking of mental health so programs like as tracking for example where we're sort of all boys complete surveys and there there's um you know there's then signposting around where there could be issues um so that that would be one example it it might be obviously the provision of, of things like uh, life orientation here in south africa or personal and social health education where there's a proactive element to um You know to to what's provided um so that it's not just left to boys to decide if they if they want to go um or help or not but they but they actually have to um they're actually sort of um channeled towards that help um so so there's, there's quite a lot around that that um that that can be done in schools i think um not not just relying on on traditional counseling but on um uh, you know but but on on making sure boys come across the right paths where they can be noticed if they need help and and where they can be pointed in the right direction,
0: I suppose you know many of our schools uh run advisory groups yeah. like you would they they term it in the u- united states or or possibly in our context or in the u k you would have you would have tutor groups which are essentially uh, you know smaller groups of boys together with a with the with the mentor teacher. Um, and and a lot of what happens in there possibly in and in many schools is is around pastoral care or noticing where boys are at in your experience what is the importance of these tutor or advisory groups
2: yeah that that's that's a really good question and and it's it's um i th- i think you know across the world sometimes schools g- struggle to get tutors and and um, sort of academic staff um engage with youth, youth groups and to see to see the important but but the importance of it. But I think the I think the research shows time and time again that it that it's critical. In fact, in fact, in that in that same University of Sussex study where they they said try and make um, you know, sort of your your care of boys have a compulsory compulsory element to it. You know, they they also mentioned the role of the tutors being absolutely key in that area. So if you if you have a tutor who's invested in the well-being of that particular male student and can, and can proactively point them in the right direction of getting support that that's like, um, that's like everything. And I, and I, and I also know that the, um, you know, the IBSC have, have, uh, I hope I pronounced the names correctly, but is it, is it Rycott and Hawley? I hope I pronounced that right. They did that work. I think it was 2012 for whom the boy toils. And in, in that case, they were, they were talking more about, um, more about the sort of teacher student relationship, but, but they 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 made some really important points from their research ar- around what, what a teacher or a tutor or an advisor you know advisor can do in in a group setting for for a boy, and and the sort of characteristics that come through there that um, you know a, a tutor or teacher must sort of reach out to to the boy, um, so so that's why tutor groups for me are so important because there's a set number of times a week or maybe it's once a day every school is slightly different where that boy and that teacher will meet. And there is a specific time put aside, if you like, for to discuss or opportunity to discuss that, that boy's well-being. And uh, I still remember quite vividly being at a conference around, around bullying, um, you know, some, some 10 years or so now. And they, they talked about the importance of teachers or adults being both available and invitational. And for me, that's what tutor groups can provide. There's an availability there um, to, to speak, and, and it creates time um, for, for boys and, and, and tutors to, to speak about perhaps non-academic things, although academic could be part of it as well. But it's also an invitation to boys. And, um, you know, having having tutors or teachers sort of inviting boys to, to come and talk if, if things aren't going well is critical because I know from personal experience that if boys – See that you are too busy; they're not going to come. I I, I still have a case that um, you know a boy pitched up at my door, and I was in the middle of a critical email, and I said, "Look, give me two minutes, and I'll be with you." And he could see on my face, I think, in my body language that, "Oh, really? Somebody walking was not was like the last thing he need. I needed." And he never came back. He said, "Sure, sir," and I never he never came back, and I couldn't, and I and I hadn't taken. Cognizance carefully of like who it was, and and so I think boys are very sensitive um, to to um, if staff are really interested in in their well being or not, and 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 so I think that that's what tutor groups, if if done properly, can can provide
0: that. Tim, I, I think that one of the biggest takeaways from this conversation for me is is with whatever way boys' schools structure their pastoral care and whatever they have in place. Uh, there's an intentionality around this issue that that you know needs to be considered and and that it it is it is that important for schools to care deeply about the emotional lives of boys that they need to think carefully about you know what are the structures and and things that they put in place to to make that possible so I want to come back to your crossed fingers tim <laughs> yes we we left your story right in the beginning and you crossed your fingers and hoped. That this young man would come back. How did that story end?
2: Well, he did come back, <laughs> uh, and it, it was a few days later, and um, he he was able to put into to words just how much he was struggling, um, and, um, you know, it, and you know, it you know, and as, as we talked about it, it you know, it, it turned out he was quite severely depressed um, and had been for some time, but for various reasons, um, um, sort of. Culture, family background—he—he—it just wasn't a thing that he could uh, easily open up about or, or to.
0: I'm going to wrap up our conversation with with a quote directly from you, uh, and I think this struck me as I, as I've read things that you've written. But you say this, Tim: the easier we can make it for boys to be emotionally courageous, the better for everyone. And and I think that really strikes me as 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 true and as as valuable. And so I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your insights. And I want to wish you all the best for the work you do with boys at Michael House. And I trust that what you have shared today will, will also give impetus and will have impact in, in teachers' ears around the world. So thank you very much for your time.
2: It's only a pleasure, Bruce. I've, I've really enjoyed it.
0: We'd love for you to share your thoughts with us. What strategies does your school employ to maximize the social and emotional well-being of boys? What really resonated with you as you listened to Tim? Connect with us via email on IBSC at the IBSC.org or drop us a note on Twitter at Boys Schools. Lastly, I'd encourage you to visit Tim's blog. There's a hardy-da in my garden is what it's called. And... On his blog, he writes about pastoral care, educating boys, and education in general. There's a link to visit his site in the episode notes. Until our next episode, in which we speak to author Dr. Shimi Kang about her new book, The Tech Solution, Keep Safe and Keep Well.